Slava Jesus Christu, Slava Novika, glory be to Jesus Christ, glory be forever. It's Father Basil doing another podcast. And I'm reading again from this book, Light for Life, Part 3 of the Mystery Lived, from God With Us Publications. And remember, we're talking about spiritual warfare, our spiritual life. And this is called the fruit of spiritual life. Sobriety and discernment. As we come to realize what is actually occurring in our lives, we become aware of what is around us and in us. We begin to look at life critically in a positive sense to become more aware of what helps us toward the goal and what hinders us. This is what the fathers describe as nepsis, sobriety, we become aware of the fact that we are engaged in a struggle, an unseen warfare. We intuit that we are not, in fact, in Disneyland and all, that all is not as it should be. We develop a sense of alertness, watchfulness, and wakefulness to ward off the attacks of the enemy meant to distract us from our spiritual journey. Be sober and vigilant. Your opponent, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. This is the spirit of the parable of the ten virgins, which is recalled in the bridegroom services, the orthros, or matins of the first days of holy and great week. Behold, the bridegroom is coming in the middle of the night. Blessed is the servant he shall find awake. But the one he shall find neglectful will not be worthy of him. Beware, therefore, O my soul, do not fall into a deep slumber, lest you be delivered to death, and the door of the kingdom be closed on you. Watch instead and cry out, Holy, holy, holy are you, O God. By the power of your cross, have mercy on us. While insisting on constant vigilance in the spiritual warfare, Eastern writers have known full well that we relax our watchfulness and fall every day. But God has given us the possibility of daily repentance so that we can stand again and resume our spiritual life. As St. John Climacus says, Do not be surprised that you fall every day. Do not give up, but stand your ground courageously. And assuredly, the angel who guards you will honor your patience. Christ has won the ultimate victory over sin and death. We must learn to see our small defeats as mere setbacks in the light of that victory. Our growing awareness of the spiritual conflict is also the first step towards the ecclesis, discernment. This is like a spiritual sense of taste. We can discern in all that is happening within and around us those things which are from God, those which are from our own appetites and thoughts, and those which are definitely not of God nor lead to God. As mentioned previously, some saints and many spiritual fathers and mothers have this discernment as a full charism of the Spirit to help others on their spiritual journey. It is usually called the gift of reading hearts. But a certain measure of discernment may be granted to each of us to guide us in our spiritual life.
we must develop this sense of taste to recognize what is of God and not of God. It is very easy to convince ourselves that what we want is what God wants for us. Or we may be convinced that we are receiving spiritual visions and are therefore spiritual people. This kind of delusion often leads sincere people astray, sometimes in a very serious matters. A great discernment is shown in the story of a certain monk to whom a devil appeared in disguise as an angel. I am the angel Gabriel who have been sent to you, the apparition declared. You must have been sent to someone else, the brother replied. I'm not worthy to see angels. The apparition immediately disappeared. Spiritual authorities insist that the way to avoid delusion and to grow in discernment is to let our spiritual guide and the voice of the tradition guide us. By testing our inclinations, desires, and experiences in this way, we learn humility and cease to be ruled by our own impulses. This sounds like full maturity already, but it is only a preparation for it. A big psychological help in the process of transition to the next stage is for the gradual development in the person, by the grace of God, of a moral emotional crisis. At first, the person receives consolation from spiritual endeavors and is filled with enthusiasm. As time goes on, the feelings evaporate and the person is led to having to choose to act merely on willpower. This strengthens the control of reason over the passions and emotions, although what will be experienced is dryness and, and aridity. We begin to reevaluate the foundation of our actions and question our basic motivations, developing the ability to maintain our commitment without immediate emotional gratification is all important for spiritual growth. For if we move from doing things because they spiritually uplift us to doing them because they center on God, a new level of maturity will be the reward. So that last sentence I read, I think that's the most important thing that we can learn from this chapter. If we move from doing things because they spiritually uplift us to doing them because they center on God, a new level of maturity will be the reward. So we don't do things in life because we want rewards. We don't do things in life because we want, you know, uh, we, we, we want something out of it. We do things in life to serve God. That's the reason we do things in life. And until we get to that spiritual maturity, we, we have to work towards that all the time in our life. So we do everything in our life to serve God, not to serve ourselves, not to serve the those around us. We do things to serve God. And there's a huge difference between that and what most Christians in this world think about how to live this life, you know? So it doesn't matter what other people around us think of us. It does not matter 
if we are popular in this world. Doesn't matter if people like us or don't like us in this world. What matters is that we serve God. And that's all that matters. Okay? We only should have thoughts of doing the things that please God every day. Now, I'm not saying that we, we, we have to neglect our families or neglect the people around us because when we are serving God, we are going to be doing good things for other people because that is the way of serving God. So we're going to help those in need. We're going to love our families. We're going to love our children and spouses and, and, and the friends and the people around us because when we are serving God, that's, that's how we serve God, by doing good things for others, by loving others, by forgiving others, by caring for others. So uh, you, you have to realize that just because we're serving God, we're focusing on God, doesn't mean we're not focusing on others as well. We, we are focusing on others through serving God. That this is, this is the way to do it. What I mean by that is, okay, so uh, if we are not serving God, if we are being selfish, if we're only doing things for selfish reasons, if we're only using people to gain advantage over them, then that's not serving God, okay? So there's a big difference between doing things for selfish purposes and doing things to serve God. I think everyone understands that, okay? Anyways, that's all I'm going to say for today. God bless you. Have a great day.